Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Fibro Animal Health, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Rebecca Robbins to talk about what all graduating veterinarians must know. Thanks for joining us today, Rebecca. Well, thanks for having you, having me, Matthew. This is uh, fun to uh, get to chat about uh, the, my profession, my chosen profession. It's uh, it's been a wonderful and a wild ride. So, oh, I enjoyed to talking about this topic with you because you you really gravitated towards really wanting to help that next generation of graduating veterinarians understand how they can be their very best self and how they can make an impact, and that was really cool. So before we get into that topic, I'd love for you to talk about your background and kind of introduce yourself, but don't get too much into the veterinary side. Like, who were you before you became a veterinarian and who are you today? Well, that's always hard. I mean, you've probably heard a lot of veterinarians say they really do become their profession. And it is it is hard to separate because my all my friends, it seems my closest friends in life, many of them are veterinarians. And so when we go drink beer, somehow we always gravitate to either a veterinary medicine question or a, a pig question. So um, <laughs> it is hard to separate, but, you know, I, I'll just start out, you know, I'm, I'm a North, a native of North Carolina. I went to North Carolina state for my undergraduate degree and was studying poultry science and um, got interested in swine because there was money to do research. And, um, when I entered into vet school, uh, I had some great mentors in the poultry science program and um, learned a lot about Merrick's disease, learned a lot about uh, poultry production, integrated production there in that undergraduate program. But when I went on to um, got accepted to vet school at NC State and uh, they had just launched a dual DVM PhD program, um, I was looking for a lab to participate in. And Dr. Wanda Singabreas and Dr. Morgan Morrow had some uh, money to look into the potential for antimicrobial alternatives mm. in um, specifically for use in swine production. And I had just come back from a study, a short study abroad um, in Peru, where they they have uh, what's called shamans. They're the natural healers, and they use a lot of um, biologic or natural um, phytogenics and natural healing modalities, um, you know, for common ailments. And so I was really interesting, interested in the potential to be able to translate that into food animals and, uh, the medicine side, especially knowing that, uh, you know, tools like antimicrobials have, uh, we've been struggling with those and, and they're, we're going to continue to, um, struggle, uh, with those. And so, that's what led me into pigs. I really had no background in pigs. I didn't grow up on a pig farm. I'm not from Iowa. Um, yes. No one in my family raises, you know, livestock. 
um, commercially, you know, my dad has a few, you know, horses and chickens as a hobby, but, you know, it just wasn't, um, that's not how I, I got into it. I, I really got into it because, you know, there was this potential to do something good um, yeah. for animal health. Uh, you know, it's, I still think that um, feeding the world is an amicable, uh, a very uh, good profession to have. Um, I'm very proud to be able to participate in some small way in that, even though I, I'm not, you know, my family and myself aren't raising the animals. So that really attracted me, got my vet degree, uh, later on, finally finished up my PhD. Um, we can talk about uh, why maybe DVM, PhD, uh, dual degrees aren't always the best thing uh, for certain students. Um, but I did get it done. That's the most important thing. I got it done. I uh, had great mentorship along the way there in North Carolina. Um, I, I uh, got on staff at what was then called Murphy Brown, now Smithfield Hog Production. Uh, did that from 2010 to 2013, and then moved over to Seaboard Foods in 2013 and was there for eight years, and I'm now an independent consultant. And along the way, what I really, you know, you said focus on things other than just being the veterinarian, because that certainly has um, it's influenced who I became because, uh, you know, things like I was just telling you, um, we just came back from a local rodeo this past weekend. You know, we weren't there, just there as spectators. We were there um, volunteering. So volunteer as, you know, being part of these small uh, agrarian communities. Uh, really, my husband and I have gotten very involved in the, you know, volunteering in our community and events that make the community a better place for uh, all of us who are out here and, um, you know, locations that uh, maybe there's a little less to do uh, on a <laughs> daily basis. You know, we're a little more isolated out here. And so kind of have to create some of our own fun. And um, so that became a really uh, big part of our lives, especially since we moved out here to the um, the, the Panhandles, the High Plains region. Um, and so that, um, you know, I had a, a little boy a couple of years ago, so I'm busy chasing him around and uh, getting to see the world anew through his eyes. It's so wonderful to like, um, you know, you get so jaded and, you know, don't really appreciate all the, you know, little things like a bug. He's very excited about bugs right now, um, animals. And so it's it's kind of fun to see how, you know, again, my profession though has kind of influenced him. He gets, like I said, gets really excited about, um, you know, animals and going to the zoo and, um, you know, so you start to, uh, you can appreciate some of the small things in life through a, yeah. a little kid's eyes. So uh, that's, that's awesome. kind of really defined me over the past, uh, about 10 years now we've lived, uh, we're going on, um, we've lived out in the panhandle almost nine and a half years. We were in Guymon, obviously, when I was a seaboard, now I'm in Amarillo, and I'm doing some uh, independent consulting work, and uh, just, like I said, enjoying being a mom for a little bit. That's awesome. No, and it's cool you came from NC State, and you said you weren't from Iowa, but being in North Carolina at the time you were, there's there's an advantage there, too. That's about the second best you could possibly be at the time, and uh, I'm going to my first Wolfpack football game here this fall, going to ECU versus uh, NC State, so that should be fun. I'd like for you to think back to the days when you were a vet student. If you want to hit on the DVM versus doing the PhD at the same time, go right on ahead. 
Yeah. My question might be, when you had fully committed to the idea of being a swine veterinarian, what excited you the most? And what had you the most concerned? What were you the, the most stressed about? Okay. Well, what excited me the most, again, I, I talked about that whole, maybe it, like I said, it's some people might think it's cheesy and some people might think it's dated, but that idea of being able to influence, you know, the food that not just people are eating here locally, not just, you know, but it's, it's worldwide. I mean, you have your reach and decisions you make are very impactful and we're a small profession, swine veterinary medicine. So you can be, um, you, you know, you can help with uh, a few good research studies and, um, you know, speaking at a few meetings, you may be setting the, the future, char helping chart the course, you know, of the future for our whole entire global industry. So there's, you know, maybe that appeals a little bit to ego, but um, I'm also, I also take it really seriously. So uh, being able to do good things for uh, the pigs, the people, uh, and that's just not only the people who are producers and my colleagues, but, you know, the people um, who are pork consumers. Thank you very much for consuming our great protein source. Um, you know, so that that really appealed for me very early on. Um, that really uh, moved me. I, the other thing, uh, the problem solving, you know, the individual animal medicine is still very impactful, but the scope is just not there for me. And I loved the idea of, you know, seeing that population style medicine translate and how, you know, I did do small animal medicine for a little bit um, part time. So I can speak to this, you know, a busy day at a clinic, uh, at a small animal clinic might be seeing 30 patients, a busy day, you know, on a, you know, for me going out as I was visiting farms, you know, could be seeing anywhere between, you know, I can see 30,000 pigs at one site. I might hit yeah. three sites in a day. So we're talking about 50, you know, sometimes upwards of 80,000 pigs in a day. If I was, you know, that was punching it. So it was yeah, long days, yeah. but you know, you can, the impact we were making was really exciting. And um, that is a very unique thought process. And so uh, the epidemiology, you know, we incorporate a lot of epidemiologic um, tools and techniques and training into uh, the practice of population medicine. And that's actually where my PhD is focused is um, population medicine, veterinary public health. And uh, it's, um, you know, most the emphasis is really around antibiotic use in pork production and um, how we can measure that use with epidemiologic tools. And so that was really fun. Um, and then you, you, like I said, I, it wasn't, I guess I, poultry probably helped set the project, the trajectory though. That okay. whole introduction to an integrated business structure was also really intriguing. And then you started with Murphy Brown, which is in a lot of ways the mold for what an integrated business structure looked like around that time. And for so, better or for worse, that's yeah. it. It still it does still set a lot of the business precedent for what people know about integrated production for sure. And they've been a, a true leader. I mean, still uh, one of the world's largest uh, pork producers, which is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, it was super cool to be part of that early on in my career because it real. I've learned so much. I, I call it dog years. Yeah, here at, there, and and not because it's like 
oh, not like dog days of summer, but dog years, like, hey, for a year there, is like seven potentially, you know, somewhere else, just because of the scope of the number of animals I could see, the different types of production I saw, um, because again, you know, they grew by acquisition there in North yep. Carolina, not, not much new construction. Um, and then, you know, with that acquisition, there's still a lot of diseases that we haven't been successful in eliminating, even in our large commercial herds. And so I got to see all kinds of, you know, cool stuff. Um, and so, uh, that was, that was super fun. So there definitely just in, and we had faculty both in undergrad and graduate school that were very supportive of the student and took us out to farms and really, and, and then the practicing vets in the area were all so welcoming. Um, you know, I say supply medicine, we're small enough. We operate like a family and everybody's so willing to share and teach students and, and you got to pay that forward. So now I'm going to ask you about that experiences or okay. stories where you paid it forward and maybe had other veterinarians shadow, shadow you, but I'll, and I'll let you choose you can hit that one first, or what is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome as a veterinarian? Oh, wow. Um, biggest challenge is, I mean, I think partly it's, this is a, um, this industry is constantly changing. We've had some, you know, I know it, it's probably a little silly to say, oh, well, disease, but the, the diseases I, I've faced in just a little over a decade of practice um, have been pretty unprecedented, right? Um, so I've I've seen a lot of uh, historical, what would maybe have been called historical or, you know, diseases we thought we'd gotten rid of, things like dysentery. Uh, I had to deal with that um, early on in my career. Um, as well as, you know, we've, we've seen that um, evolution of these extremely virulent strains of PERS and PED. I mean, PED was a game changer. Basically, for like from 2013 to 2016, it was hard to do anything else but focus on PED. And um, it was all hands on deck and, you know, just laser focused on trying to figure out uh, those problems. Um, that, you know, also the, you know, and this kind of takes me back to why I got interested on the research side and but my PhD focused on antimicrobials and antimicrobial resistance, antimicrobial use. We have a consuming public that's increasingly interested in the way we raise animals. And they're very concerned about how our practices influence their health, society, the environment. And so that wasn't something we were necessarily prepared for in, in vet medicine. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, when you're doing small animal medicine, that's somebody's pet. You know, now they don't think of them just as pets. They think of them as family members. But, um, you know, they have an emotional attachment um, that creates a different structure of values than what we've got when we're in business. Um, yeah. We've got we've to balance that. So there, that's, a, that's a real... Uh, that continues to challenge me today. Um, so that's been that's been fun um, to hear what uh, you know be around um, to build a peer group and network of people who can you know give perspective about that has been um, you know and learn from them. Uh, being in an integrated business, you learn a lot about what our consumers want our our customers you know when we're an integrated business we say the customer is really 
people who are actually the the people we're selling to, like the Costco's, the Walmart's, yeah. the McDonald's, not not me and you consumers. They're the consumers. So, um, and they they each have some different values. So there's been a, a big trajectory to learn about that and and how that it does influence the way you practice. And I did not, you wouldn't have, I would not have realized that um, as a student. The the marketing and sales component of being a veterinarian, it's there. You, you got to sell to yep. the customer, and yep. it's it's a whole it, it's a story about care and and compassion and and a focus on on feeding the world and there's just so and, much there and you know they do take, teach veterinary business classes um but typically those are focused around you know small business clinic oriented yep. structures you know um so not as much exposure to this more macroeconomic um, yeah yeah boom marketing. you're a veterinarian now go sell to the executives at walmart yeah. what yeah yeah <laughs> Well, and, and also being, we tend to, as veterinarians, be, and, and this is, I struggle with this every day, we're hyper-analytical. I mean, we're so analytical because we've been, we're a science-driven technical field. Yeah. And, um, and swine veterinarians, I think, embrace science and, and our producers embrace science. Um, you know, I think we're some of the best at that as far as, you know, the, the protein species. We really try to make science-driven decisions. Well, sometimes that that very analytical focus um, doesn't necessarily appeal at, or even translate to people. So figuring out how to balance those messages is also um, really important. So when we look at the lessons that I guess the advice and words of wisdom that we have for aspiring veterinarians or graduating veterinarians um, would like for you to preface that before we get to that, talk about how the role of a veterinarian is changing. Okay. So will you ask me to also talk about people who have influenced me? Yes. And I think that they're really good examples of how they have, um, how they have progressed in their career. People like Jeremy Pittman. Uh, was uh, mentored me as a uh, a student as well as when I was newly minted, you know, veterinarian uh, with 1.8 million nursery pegs at uh, <laughs> Murphy Brown, and and he would come and spend you know spent time to go out and see the pigs, and some of it was seeing the pigs, but a lot of it was just advice about you know how to approach problems, uh, how to communicate those problems up the chain, um, uh, the, you know, the decision-making hierarchy and, you know, influence the business and, and still do the right thing by the animal. You know, there's other people who do that extremely well. Matthew Turner is another great mentor in, in my career who um, has um, really exemplified uh, the high, I think the highest level of uh, ethics and, um, dedication to the field of just about anybody I know. Obviously, my um, boss at Seaboard, Luke Dufresne, um, but all of the, you know, Luke is a great, a great example, too, because I watch, I always make him go back, would always ask him when we would go ride to farms, I always asked about what their careers were like early on. And it's yeah. funny, because there's some of the problems, so the, some of the problems never change, but the answers have that the answers do, um, how we're asked to, you know, like we, like we said, there's 
um, increasing pressures on the way we uh, raise animals and that that will change. But also, you know, this is a business and we probably treat agriculture now. I mean, it is we manage it. We're extremely professional in agriculture. And that's probably changed over the last 20 or 30 years. Um, obviously, the integration of the businesses, even if you're not working in a Smithfield, Seaboard, um, JBS, you know, uh, environment or, or, you know, company structure, you're maybe part of one of these big co-op uh, mm-hmm. like Pikestone has created, or you're one of these big veterinary clinics who's responsible for the nutrition, the um, logistics, you know, scheduling transportation, helping producers source pigs, helping them manage their barns. So uh, now we've branched out into a lot of areas that um, when you look at the veterinary curriculum, you know, you're, it's a lot of on the job training. So I think uh, being astute to that, uh, latching on to the folks who are leaders within which whatever organization you go to people who've been successful there learning how they've been successful asking them questions um i think you know one of the pieces of advice i give to students all the time is ask more questions um even if you think they're stupid they're not they're not stupid they're not dumb you're only going to get one chance in your career to get the unabridged version yeah. of the facts, because, um, you know, once you're out and maybe you're working for a competitor organization, uh, we can't be quite as much of an open book all the time. And we won't have the amount of time or, or can't give you the access that we can, you know, when we're practicing, you know, when we're, we're both practitioners and colleagues, um, we do a lot more talking on the phone. When we're, when you're, a, when there's a student, um, and uh, practitioner relationships so that mentor-mentee relationship, we can take you and really show you what we're doing and really try to, um, and, and hopefully give you advice so you don't make the same mistakes that we have as, you know, throughout our careers. So I think asking a lot of questions is, is really critical and asking, you know, people that you respect to take you on as a student and, and, know something about how they got to where they were in their career. Cause you're not just going to come out and be the expert. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of people who know a lot more and probably don't have the, um, all the, the letters and, you know, haven't spent as much money on their education as all of us better, you know, as a veterinarian has, but they're leading the organization because um, they have, there are other characteristics that you have to learn to be successful, to be that leader. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like when you're a student and you are going through vet school, would you say that that is the time to reach out to all these individuals who be speaking at events on LinkedIn and like just trying to get in front of them, even if they won't be your official mentor is that's probably where the transparency is going to be the best then, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, going out and getting a diverse experience. So I know you know, and with gas prices the way things are and the expense of travel, I know that that's easier said than done. But go out, you know, try to get as much um, of the scholarships as possible. And so you can take and be, you know, travel and be far flung. Try to hit all sides of the country. So when I was doing my externships, I went down to uh, what's, what used to be Farmer John out in Arizona. What a great experience. Um, getting to meet um, 
Don Davison, Mike Terrell, Brett O'Brien. What a great group of people. Um, learn about raising pigs in Arizona. Bet you didn't know there was many pigs in Arizona, but yeah, there's a fully integrated business right there. Um, and, you know, and I went over to the Netherlands and uh, worked with uh, Peter Vanderwolf and uh, the group there at the Heyday. And what um, a great experience to be able to go abroad and see pig production, go to different regions of the U.S., go to different styles. I was with Tom Gillespie at his clinic at Rensselaer. Um, even though I, I never really kind of saw myself as a, um, a private practitioner, at, you know, in a, in a clinical setting, um, it was a great experience to see those different thought processes. Going to the different universities, I did an, um, a rotation at Iowa State, and um, that, that ability to get out there and, and see different things, uh, because again, you're also building your, your network, um, because and think of and think of all those opportunities as like a interview too, because yeah. before I worked at Seaboard, I was an uh, extern at Seaboard. So I came out and spent two weeks. And so um, when they needed to hire a veterinarian, um, I came to their mind. That was super cool, right? And they, you know, would that have happened if I hadn't been an extern here? Um, maybe. But it might not have been just a natural fit for both yes. of us um, if I hadn't have been there. So it's a great, great way, you know, doing these internships and externships is also a great way to know what a culture is like, because yep. you have to kind of figure out where you're going to fit in that culture. And it'll change over time. Don't get me wrong. It can change uh, as you grow and they grow. Um you know, that's well, why people change jobs, but it's gr it's a great opportunity to see how it's functioning, not not just getting the um, nice glossy business card, you know, magazine version of of what goes on day to day in a company. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that's really neat about a veterinarian, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this would be. You go and you get your veterinary degree and when you go out and you look for a job. There is a. What? It is not as simple as I'm going to be a veterinarian for you or a veterinarian for you or a veterinarian for you. A veterinarian for one company versus the other can look incredibly different. Oh, yeah. Well, How do you these... navigate that as a graduate to, to like try to understand all the different roles and responsibilities that come from the exact same degree? Oh, man. Um, well, and I think that, yes. And I, the good thing is... Not un unless you've got like a background or maybe you've got a, you know, further training already um, or, you know, in a previous life, you were in a management type role. Most <laughs> clinics and companies know that that new grad doesn't have that experience. Typically, they have spent, you know, their life being hardcore scientist, academic and just to get that degree. And so they've really not had time to kind of develop some of those other skills. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Matthew Turner has talked about this before that veterinarians really need to spend some time developing the soft skills. Uh, so if they're going to um, be successful in a leadership role beyond just the, you know, the very um, narrow focused, uh, veterinary role, which can be very fulfilling. I'm not saying that that's not a wonderful thing, but it, you know, um, 
it will help and add value if you do have some of that um, leadership acumen, um, shall I say. And so most people are very, uh, most organizations already know that that's something that they're going to have to, again, on the job training. They're going to yep. have to teach that. And but you also, as a graduate, a new graduate, have to take that on to yourself, right? Um, books like, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Love that book. And you don't just read Good it book. once. You don't read it once, right? It's not like, oh, I read that book and you set it down. Yeah. No, like you that book, it. I've got notes, I've got pages marked. I go back, I reread, I try to, you know, have this introspective, you know, review of how am I doing and, you know, Am I really implementing that habit in my daily life? And so, you know, doing some of that, your own private um, continuous improvement is really important and not just leaving that, uh, that continuing education on just the, the science and the technical part that we have to do to keep our veterinary licenses, but also to try to build that um, other area as a professional. And so, um, you know, now it's easier than ever. You've got things like LinkedIn and Coursera and these great, you know, everybody's got a webinar, everybody's got a blog. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who, um, you know, subscribe to Harvard, Harvard Business Review, uh, where they are learning more of the business, um, you know, skill set and mindset. So, you know, taking that all taking that proactive approach to your career is really critical because then I also look at that as I want to invest in somebody who's already like enthusiastic about learning and growing. If you're just like sitting there going and this, and this is a little bit of a, you know, I see a little bit, you know, nowadays people are, students are waiting for us to tell them what they need to know. No, uh, no, you gotta, you gotta go. You need to be a learner. Mind? active learner and and that's an overused term for sure like um but i think you have to you you have to ask and say i want to grow and and be honest if you don't know where to start like so find somebody you trust or somebody that's been successful the worst thing they can say is no and that that hurts because sometimes I go, well, gosh, is it just, is it me that they're saying no to or that they are just not in a, the right place? But you can't get overly sensitive about that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say to all graduating veterinarians and all graduating students, especially while you're a student and in this industry, it is few and far between that there is a person in this industry who would be unwilling to hop on a call with you if you were seeking advice as a student. Like you're going to have to be into some pretty big organizations to get a no because they're just that busy. Yeah. Uh, there, well, they might there tell is... you not right now, but, yeah. you know, call them back. And and that's the other thing. Even if some, even if you get a no, gosh, wow, if everybody stopped when they got the first no, we wouldn't get anything done in this world, right? And so no kidding. Um, I think you've got to go back to them and say, man, but I here's um, – there is a book called uh, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Yeah. He talks about, have you read that too? Yeah. Um, and he talks about, um, you know, how he convinced this guy, uh, you know, this this team of, you know, the CEO, you know, the it was the C-suite team to take him on as, you know, the, and he was basically, um, you know, brand new graduate and um, take him on and really mentor him. And, but 
he pitched them what they were going to get out of it, right? And it had to go both ways. And if it if that's just that, um, hey, in the future, you know, you can call on me to mentor students or mentor people you have, you know, in your life. Maybe it's something that simple, but um, you know, typically, like you said, you got to. It's pretty rare to ever get a no. Our industry is so wonderful about that. We really, yeah. I think we do, for as big as some of these organizations are, um, they're still very um, personable. Very, I mean, most of them are still family owned and operated, which makes them, I think, invest and really um, get excited about the future. And the future is our, you know, our graduating, you know, our young people, our students, our management trainees out on the farms and so um yeah you can't be can't be afraid that's the huge advantage is everyone in this industry is looking for people for all aspects of the business because everyone's either thinking about the next generation that's going to come in over and take over the leadership components the veterinary side of it the day-to-day work and so as a student there's really no better time than to reach out and try to just to get to know these people and understand who they are and where they're coming from and yeah, you have you have instant access if you want it. I think you're only limited by your ambitions to connect. There That's, is nothing stopping you from connecting to these owners, veterinarians. I mean, there's there's veterinarians like Dr. Gillespie who would happily hop on a call and and you and others and, and there's stories. The stories yeah. that you veterinarians have are incredible and and do not get told enough. So no, I appreciate you kind of talking about this. This might not be as positive of an ending, but it's a question I didn't get in. And it'd be, what is the worst thing that a newly graduating vet could could do uh, or could not do? Like, if, if you didn't do this or if you did it, like, the thing to avoid. Oh, well, that's the, that's the hubris. That's the, well, I'm a veterinarian, and because I said that, um, they should do it that way. Mm. Man. That has burned more people and alienated um, and really re- people have long memories, especially from bad, inter- you know, if they don't have a positive interaction with you. And in some cases, in a big integrated system, there were some people I may see once a year, maybe twice yeah. because of geography, uh, you know, definitely. in per- You know, there's some people I only saw a couple times a year in person. Um, and so to you know, again, have that maybe um, overly authoritarian approach to a decision. And then if you get your feelings hurt about it and you carry that with you, um, you got to find a way to overcome that. Because, again, there's there's not just one right way to answer our very complex business, our complex questions, not just on animal health, but also in business. And so I think that that's... Um, Again, yeah. the the, deg- the degree got us a seat at the table, but it doesn't mean that you get to ignore the the input that you get from uh, the the peer group, the colleagues, the leadership um, within the organization, the producers. I mean, these guys are the people there with their pigs every day. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things I've learned recently that I I used to. Um, kind of uh, smirk at, I'll give an example. I can't help it. Um, You know, the truck driver that said they could smell TGE. 
And I'm like, ah, oh, no, that is not a diagnostic tool. Um, <laughs> you know, we have PCRs for that, guys. Come on. we have. Thankfully, if we had to rely on everybody's sniffer, we'd be really screwed as we an would industry. Be. We would be. But interestingly, I've learned recently from working with um, John McGlone at Texas Tech, who works on, does a lot of work with pheromones and animal behavior. There's a whole uh, area of science called sickness behavior. And People and animals really do have different odors when we're sick. And that's how they're utilizing. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about, you know, these cancer sniffing dogs. I didn't hear that's, about that. Yeah, there's like these dogs that they're training now to um, who can smell different types of, you know, uh, I guess it's you know people who have different cancers, uh, different diseases. They're working. Wow. Um, there's folks working on it for you know, detection of animal diseases using, um, you know, leveraging that ability for uh, other animals because they're way more sensitive to it uh, than we are. So, you know, I still do not advocate that smell is the diagnostic tool for, you know, TGE nor any disease. But the fact that I had to, you know, eat a little bit of crow on that one to go, oh, well, you know, these guys, and it's because, that truck driver, Colin, he saw more pigs than I probably did that day. Yeah. Hauling pigs up and down the road. You know, he spent probably more time with those sick pigs than I did, you know. And so um, there's there's value, you know, we have to be able, you know, you don't have to give it, you know, all the information you get. You don't have to give it all the same weight um, of or, you know. But it's all a consideration. It's, you know. Be observe your observational skills are probably one of the first and foremost things that makes a great veterinarian. Um, is being a good observer and something I struggle with all the time and constantly work on is trying to be a better listener. But being a good observer, being a good listener, you know, um, and trying to synthesize that information, those are that's really what. Uh, makes a you know an average veterinarian i think a great veterinarian well we really appreciate you joining the popular pig podcast it's been a real pleasure to have you as a guest and thank you a ton for your time thank you it's been fun take care matthew thank you for joining us on this episode of popular pig we aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.